Hello again, witches, seekers, and friends, and welcome to the Fat Feminist Witch Podcast, the show where we do a little ranting, raving, and wand waving. I'm your host, Paige, and together we're going to explore magic and spirituality, social justice, the psychic realm, and most importantly, my book. Hey friends, and thank you so much for joining me today for episode 64, which is entitled Green Witchcraft, which is the same title of my book, which is coming out next month, February 25th. Uh, Yes, I wrote a book. It's a real book. It's being published by a real publishing company, and I'm, as you can hear, um, incredibly excited. I got my proof copy of it yesterday, so I'm actually holding it in my hands, and every time I look at it and I see my name, I just start to giggle like, oh my god, oh my god, look at that. That's crazy. That's, oh my god, it's real. So, fun. This is going to be, uh, maybe you could tell, this is going to be another unscripted episode. I did one recently and I got pretty decent feedback. You guys were nice about it and a few people even liked the kind of unscripted format. So that's what I'm going to do again today. And mostly because I'm just going to be sharing the experience with you. So I'm going to be sharing the experience of writing the book, you know, what it's like to go from reviewing and reading all these witchy books to actually writing one and how fucking hard it is. Oh my God. Writing a book's pretty hard. Just gonna, <laughs> just gonna say that right off the hop. It's a lot of work. Um, I am also going to share a little spell that I have in the book that comes out of the book. And I'll tell you a little bit more about the story. But I'm going to share a sketchy herb and a magic rock out of this book. And in every episode from now until the end of February, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to pick a sketchy herb and a magic rock from the book that can work with the topic of the show and share it with you guys. So you guys get some fun previews of the book. You can also look uh, across social media, especially Instagram. I'm posting quotes and pictures and um, I'll be posting videos and things really soon. So that's really going to be ramping up a little bit more before we get into February. Very pumped. (laughs) Before I get in on the book, I just want to, I just want to chat a little bit. (laughs) Um, I was thinking a lot about words and colors of the year. You know, a few people have sent me messages. I talked about that in my episode with Joanna DeVoe, and I wrote a blog post about it, how every year there is this this color and a word or two words that really pop up all the time. They're words I don't end up saying myself. They end up being said to me. They end up pop, popping up in readings. And towards the end of last year, I, I already figured out that the word for this year was going to be green. And um, for slightly obvious reasons. And green is about a lot more than just this book. It's about growth, new growth, new things growing. It's about prosperity and abundance and moving on with your life. Green is the color of healing. It's the color of the heart chakra. So it's a, it's a really, really great color for me to working, for me to start working with this year. Well, start green is one of my faves. Um, but this year I'm going to be working a lot more with green and wearing it and just adding a little bit more of that energy to my life. Two words have also stood out a lot in the last little while. The the big one is focus. And that is so real. I have been really struggling to stay focused, really struggling to get organized, to, you know, stay focused on the task at hand. I'm, I'm having a hard time even getting some of these podcast episodes out. I'm getting some writer's block with some other projects I'm working on. It's 
focus has been really difficult for me lately. And that's something that I really need to work on this year. Something I need to, I need to find not only methods <laughs> to help me stay focused, but I need to find reasons to stay focused. You know, it's, it's a whole little process. And this word came up, I mean, it popped up in videos on YouTube that I didn't search for, but that were suggested. It, I heard it on the radio even. I read it in new books that I keep getting. I get in all these different tarot and oracle decks. The word focus and, and the, the focus on focus has been incredibly strong. It comes up in every single reading. Another word that's been coming up a lot and that today I read it and it just kind of clicked into my brain like it's it settled into a to its own personal parking spot that was already there right is the word devotion and that is so not a word that I use a lot you know I, I always associate that word with romance you know you're very devoted or loyal to your your loved one but devotion is anything you can be devoted to yourself to a cause to you know an activity to whatever you can be devoted to anything so focus and devotion and devotion is still it's very intense you know it's it's almost like a like a type of ongoing focus <laughs> that that really comes from deep in so those are kind of the energies that I'm gonna be working with throughout the coming year and I'm, I'm pretty excited about them those are great energies for me I'm in a time of a lot of growth um, and a lot of new things new experiences so the green really makes sense so we'll see how those continue to pop up throughout the year. If you see that I'm doing a lot with focus or with, or with devotion, you'll know why. <laughs> so let's talk about the book. Um, wow, what a incredible experience, first of all. Um, <laughs> I didn't write this book and, and seek out a publisher. This publisher sought me out and they were like, we, you know, we want to put out books in this topic and we have a few topics that we were thinking of and i actually you know you could say tried out i sent in a writing sample for a particular type of project and i had you know 24 hours to to work on it and i was working on it and it was going great and i came up with this spell that i thought was fantastic and then all of a sudden the next day i looked at it and i was like you know this isn't right i don't this isn't what i want to send in at all and so I, I changed it. I wrote something else. Now, the new spell that I wrote and that I sent in was about plants. Working with, you know, plants and crystals. And that wasn't the main topic of that book. So I didn't get that book and I was pretty disappointed. And I, you know, I thought that was it, that that was the end. <laughs> I missed my chance. But maybe a month later, the same person from the publishing company got back to me and they said, you know, we have this other project that we really like to work on and I, you know, I think you would be great for it. And it was this one. It was about working with natural elements like plants and crystals and working them into your life and your spiritual practice in a kind of, in a way that people in the modern world actually can. And even now, I'm like, oh, that's so wild. You know, the first spell that I was going to send in, it had nothing to do with that topic at all. I think, I don't even know what it was. I think it was petitioning advice from your guides or some shit. I, I honestly cannot even remember what that spell was. I'm sure it's on my computer, but 
I remember the spell I sent in, and when I saw that green witchcraft was the topic um, of this next book, and it ended up becoming the title, when I saw that that was the topic, again, it was like something clicked in my brain. I was like, oh, that's it. That's why I didn't get that. That's it. So that was very exciting. I ended up including that spell in the book, so I am going to share that spell with you guys a little bit later when we talk about um, a plant and a couple of crystals from the actual book. So I, I've i never written a book before. It's my first one, and it's my first one in general. I never wrote a book of my own before. In high school, when I was, you know, dreaming about being a... Um, a radio DJ. I was also dreaming about being like a Jack Kerouac style without being a dick uh, writer that, you know, traveled around and, and did their own writing. To me, that all kind of fit in the same kind of vein, right? You know, travel writer or writer in general that, you know, preaches the voice of their times, plus being a radio DJ. And um, I gotta tell you right now, like teenage me is just in here going, holy shit, girl, you totally <laughs> pulled it. <laughs> this is probably not the way that I expected to be a writer or a DJ, but oh man, if I did not just like nail it, I'm a very consistent person. It's the Capricorn in me. <laughs> oh, forgive me. I've got a bit of a sore throat, so I've got some, some tea going here. It's black cherry. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. So I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I was really relying on the editor I was working with, who was absolutely amazing. Having the people there that I could go to with questions and with like, I don't know if this actually sounds good. Or uh, I don't know if this makes sense to someone who, who doesn't understand witchcraft at the same level I do. You know, if it's someone who is new or someone who has been practicing in a totally different way. So you guys aren't experts, tell me what you think. And they they hit me back with incredible questions and suggestions. And honestly, it was just a really great experience the entire time. I also feel now that I'm a much better writer in general. I feel so much less wordy now. I'm a very wordy person. I like to put in a lot of extra words. I repeat myself sometimes while I'm trying to think. <laughs> I'm sure you've noticed. And I like to kind of go over the top when I'm describing things. I like to give many different little like options, right, as I just did. And without making me feel bad about my writing or making me feel bad about how I express myself, they cut that down to be way more, way easier to read. You know, listening to me talk and reading something that I, I'm writing now feel a lot more like they are in sync. And I love that. So that is a really fantastic experience. Really, really great for me. Really good learning experience. <sighs> Writing a witchy book has got to be one of the like, one of the last possible things I could have imagined for myself a long time ago. But now it feels so normal and natural. And it's it's still blowing my mind. It's normal and natural, but blowing my mind at the same time. Explain that, right? 
<laughs> so I really hope um, that those of you who decide to check it out, I know green witchcraft isn't for everybody, but those of you who decide to check it out, I hope you like it. I hope you find some good information that gives you some foundational stuff, as well as some fun information and some information on plants or crystals that maybe you've never used before or not maybe you haven't used in your witchy practice, but you know of in your regular life. I tried to give a really good blend of specimens throughout the book. I begin by talking a little bit about what it means to practice witchcraft that is of a green variety. You know, who are these witches who are not able to be witches? And I have this section where I go over some some like myths about witches that I'm trying to break. And one of the main messages in my book is that people can be someone who works with the natural environment and who works with the natural environment in a spiritual way, even if they don't, you know, live in a beautiful little cabin in the woods in the middle of nowhere. That's fantastic. But some of us live in the city. We like it here. That doesn't mean that we're any more cut off. So Right, my first myth there is I can't be a green witch because I like living in the city, working in an office building, and wearing makeup and high heels or a suit. That's something that we talk about um, quite a bit on this blog, maybe not so specifically, but breaking these stereotypes about who can be a witch and realizing that you make up the rules about your practice and about your life and about how it fits in. And that's something I, I really, really wanted to talk about at the beginning. I also talk a lot about um, if you are not so good with plants. Not everybody can grow their own plants. There are some plants that I cannot grow. I've killed every single lavender I've ever tried to keep alive. I can't plant any sort of seed or anything like that. It never comes up and every lavender dies. I love lavender, but I use it in other ways because I just cannot grow it. And that's okay too. If you do not have a green thumb, if you kill everything, you can still work with natural items like plants, trees, crystals, all of that kind of stuff. The book is very secular. It says outright that you don't need to worship any gods, but if you have a religion or, or a religious path that brings you enlightenment and clarity and makes you feel good about your life, then continue on that. You know, witchcraft isn't something that you need to worship it's something that you do and it's something that you work into your life and i talk about that quite a bit in the book so it's a very secular guide to natural magic what i really like is before i even get into the chapters that are you know flowers plants that come with little spells and rituals and exercises that you can do with those i put a lot of things that you can work on throughout the book so i have a some information about energetic cleansing and cleaning in your house. There's a full moon on the beach ritual that anyone can do if they're near a beach or a willow tree or something like that. And I also talk about connecting with the the natural world and the natural forces of our neural world. So one of the things I talk about um, is grounding, how to do a grounding exercise. And throughout the book, you can use that grounding exercise to expand on some of the other meditations. And I also talk about developing your psychic senses by working on reading auras. Because, I mean, auras are a very natural energy. It's something that comes off of us it, it just naturally. It's, it's part of our um, interaction with the universe. So I also talk a little bit about that because at this point in time, being psychic or realizing that you have psychic energy really happens alongside studying witchcraft or spiritual topics. 
So let's try one of these out before we get into our sketchy herbs and magic rocks. Let's do a grounding exercise. This is something that I need to do kind of frequently that I don't do nearly enough, especially in the winter, because it's something I normally love to do outside or with the windows open or, you know, even just on the balcony if I can't be on the ground. But it really is something that you can do anywhere using your imagination and your memories of the world around you. Grounding is one of the most important ways for green witches to both receive and release magical energy. Grounding is a meditative practice where you create a connection with the planet using a combination of physical contact and visualization or imagination. This creates an invisible thread that allows you to bring energy up from the earth and release it back into the, the earth afterward. Think of it like a lightning rod, helping us channel the power of electricity and neutralize it when it becomes too much to handle safely. I find grounding to be helpful both before and after any magical exercise, and whenever I feel like I need to establish a stable foundation. In moments of anxiety and chaos, those are the big ones, let me tell you, friend. <laughs> grounding allows us to release that overwhelming energy into the earth. Once you figure out the best way to ground yourself, you'll know when you need it. My favorite way to ground is by connecting to each of the elements. I do this by focusing on how each one feels, smells, or sounds. Let's try it right now. Start by making yourself comfortable with your feet planted flat on the ground if possible. Doing this outside would be ideal, of course, but it can be done anywhere because you're never really as far away from the elements as you might think. Close your eyes, relax your shoulders, unclench your jaw, and let your hands fall at your sides. Let your back and your legs settle and get comfortable. Breathe slowly in through your nose and out through your mouth. Focus on the feeling of the air coming through your nose, filling your lungs and belly. Push the air out and feel it blow past your teeth and tongue. Do this four times. breathing, but turn your attention to the heat of fire. Feel the heat of the sun shining above you or through the window or the heat radiating from your own living body. Recall a memory of a time when you sat in front of a roaring fire and could feel the heat on your face and legs. Breathe in and out four times slowly, allowing your whole body to feel the warmth. Now cool down with the refreshing energy of water. Recall how it feels to take the first step into the ocean or lake on a calm day. Feel the cold water gently lapping at your ankles and then your knees and your lower back. 
Remember the sensation of standing beneath a waterfall, splashing salt water on your face? Refreshing and relaxing at the same time. Take four deep breaths and smell the salt or the water or the seaweed. Take stock of your surroundings and your imagination. Are you on a breezy beach with a bonfire going and sand beneath your toes? Or maybe you just stepped out of a luxurious bath, surrounded by flickering candles. Feel the solid ground beneath your feet, fully supporting you in this moment and in all the moments to come. Listen for the hum of the earth below and around you and know that you're safe, supported, and connected to the planet. Breathe in through your nose and smell fresh cut grass. Breathe out, sharing that breath with the trees that will use it to make oxygen. Take three more deep breaths and when you're ready, open your eyes and come back to the present moment. This is my personal method of grounding. Um, it's just, it's the one that's always worked the best for me. Fire, especially that feeling of sitting in front of a bonfire when the, the whole front of your body feels warm from the fire and the back of your body feels cool from the air. And you can really feel that temperature difference. That's what I always think of for the element of fire. So that is grounding. And a few other times throughout the book, I advise you to do the grounding exercise first, make it the beginning of your meditation and continue further from there. I hope you guys like that. I find it very calming. Over the last three years, I've shared a lot about my ongoing journey to better mental health. And I get messages all the time from listeners who are also struggling and looking for someone to talk to. Unfortunately, it can be very difficult to find therapy that is fully accessible, financially or otherwise. That's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp is an online service that can connect you with real licensed counselors who can be available on your schedule and right where you are. With four different ways to communicate and a wide range of specialties, there's a good chance you can find someone perfect for you all without leaving home. Everything is confidential, and if you ever feel like your counselor isn't the right fit for you, you can switch right away. Not only is the service really affordable compared to in-person therapy, they also offer financial aid for those who need it. It's okay to need help. You deserve to get better. And you can start that journey at betterhelp.com slash fatfeministwitch and save 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash fatfeministwitch. So now that we are all grounded and connected to the planet, let's talk about some of the fun stuff. So we have, starting with chapter four and going through chapter eight, we have flourishing with flowers. In this chapter, I talk about 15 different varieties of flower, all with their own energies and uses and magic. Then you'll get a chance to work with some of them in recipes and rituals and spells at the end of the chapter. Now, some of these are flowers you're probably familiar with, like lavender, which I can't grow. 
<laughs> or roses, which I find complicated. Jasmine, which I completely adore. And then there are some flowers that maybe you haven't worked with in your magic. Things like red clover or Hoya, which you might know as a wax plant. That's a house plant. I talk about house plants a few times throughout the book because so many of us share our house with these plants that aren't common in witchy books, but they all have this very magical energy. I talk about a few herbs and flowers that help you heal. So things like echinacea and calendula. I talk about things that have a long history of magical meaning, like the lotus flower or the honeysuckle. That was one of my favorite chapters for sure. Once you get into the, the recipes, you have a glamour potion, a home protection, some bath salts, a rainbow rose ritual for self-love. That one was really fun. A divination dream pillow. As you know, uh, dream pillows are my absolute favorite. So that's that's kind of the the idea behind these individual chapters. I was so impressed with the sheer volume of plants that they let me talk about. Like I say, there are three chapters of smaller plants, one chapter of trees. <laughs> so they really let me go a little nuts. I talk about some common plants again, like mugwort and sage. I also talk about the coffee plant and uh, camellia, the tea plant. I touch, of course, on hemp or cannabis, My one of my favorites, which is mullein. And then some really fun stuff, like Rose of Jericho, and Eye of Newt, Eye of Newt, and Queen Elizabeth Root. One of my favorite spells in the plant section is called the Chimaruta Charm Bag. It's based on, I've talked about it before, the Italian Chimaruta Charm, which is styled like a, like a piece of rue with protective symbols on it. This charm bag is inspired by that it, you put rue as well as other symbols that are common in the Chimaruta into a charm that you can carry around. I'm really happy with that one. That is one that, again, I carry around in my purse a lot. Some of the other activities that I have through the book are a recipe for Van Van oil that you make with essential oils. I have a tea recipe for when you're doing psychic work. I have an herbal healing salve, and normally you know I don't do... Um, I don't do like anything medical or or physical health related, but this is a healing salve that I use a lot that I've made a hundred times. You know, I actually had to make it again to remember the recipe. I just kind of do it, right? <laughs> um, and also when I started to learn the, the magical um, uses of some of the plants in that healing salve, I started to use it for magical purposes as well. So I included it in the book. I have a spell to make a really gross <laughs> but fake rabbit's foot into something really amazing for magic that hurts no actual bunnies because you know that's what I'm into. I have a recipe for sacred tree incense for how to make a little broom or a wand and a sweetening spell that you can do with maple syrup because you know that I am Canadian and I had to sneak that in somewhere. With our crystals we have meditations, cleansing, a crystal grid, crystal elixir. It's very fun. I really hope that you guys enjoy the book and that, you know, some of the exercises and some of the plants that we use are something new. When I was going through this, I, you know, I didn't think it would take me as long as I thought to pick 15, you know, whatever, flowers, plants, herbs, and to write down what I know about them. 
because, you know, I know this stuff. But I actually had to do a lot of research. You find a lot of conflicting information about certain things when it comes to herbs and crystals. You know, what astrological sign are they associated with? What planet are they ruled by? What element are they associated with? And in my in my research, I found that I disagreed with some of the, the kind of classical interpretations and, and found myself agreeing with some more modern ones. Also, later, when I look at what I decide are the associations for that plant when I'm working with it. And that's never something I just made up. It's <laughs> it's based on, you know, the research. But I, I noticed that what I connect with the most, what I feel is the most likely, often has something to do just with who I am personally or with my astrological chart. There were a few plants that I relate to Pluto. I think of them in terms of Pluto and Scorpio. And of course, when I go online, everybody's like, yeah, that's a Venus plant. It's all love and romance. And I'm like, whoa, what's wrong with me, right? Thinking of the planet of death. But that's where Venus is in my chart. <laughs> it's in the 12th house with Pluto in Scorpio. So I, you know, I didn't realize that I did that. But that is a fun thing that I learned when I was going through this book. So if you find yourself kind of um, wondering how I arrived at certain things, now you know. I tried every spell and every recipe and every meditation that I put in the book to make sure to make sure that it was really something that you could work into a practice that works for your everyday life. And I hope that comes through. Thank you so much to everyone who was congratulating me and who was very excited right along with me when I announced the book. And to Matt Oren, who posted it on his blog before I did the official announcement. He didn't know, so it's not like he didn't do anything wrong. But he put it on his list of the 25 most anticipated books for the first half of 2020. I'm super, super just so honored and grateful to be among some other books that I'm really looking forward to that you found on that list. Like, um... The Intuitive Witch by Astrea Taylor and Lisa Marie Basile's um, Magical Writing Grimoire. New book by Gabriella Herstick. I'm just really excited about books this year. And it's wild to think. <laughs> it's wild to think that mine is one of them. So I'm going to say it again. I really hope you guys like it. I don't want to sound like I'm just selling stuff to you, right? You know, that's, that's not the point here. Um, a few people asked how it felt or how different it what it was like to write a book as someone who reviews them regularly and let me tell you boy wow is that an eye-opening <laughs> experience so the things that I judge books on are, are different all across the spectrum you know there's not one single you know list of checklist of things um, basically what it comes to is that when something gets a five crystal ball rating, it's because I loved it. You know, I really enjoyed reading it, but it's also something that I can see myself referencing, going back and using, or that taught me something brand new that I never heard before, or that blo blows my mind wide open and explains something in a way I never thought. So that's what a five crystal ball rating means. A four is something that I like. I might not be using it for reference in the future, but I really enjoyed it. I think it's great. I'd recommend it. And a three, which I don't give out often, I, I tend to not do um, reviews of books I don't love because, I don't know, because I just don't want to. 
I just don't want to. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a difficult thing to think of to tear someone's book apart, especially now. Um, but a three is basically, you know, a book that I enjoyed, but that wasn't really for me. So what I tried to do with my book is to, you know, fit that that idea where it's something that you can enjoy reading in the moment, something that's really fun. It's kind of lighthearted, but has a lot of great info packed in. You know, I do a lot of research, you know, you know me. <laughs> um, but that you can also go back and reference or that you can carry around and, um, you know, use while you are actually practicing. You know, the, the plants and herbs, you can definitely use that as a little encyclopedia. Um, there's a chart for gardening by the moon and by astrological phase. So I'm really hoping that I I nailed that combination of interesting and fun to read and also very practical and usable because that's what I'm about. Um, but I kept thinking all through it like, oh my God, what would I rate this? What would I rate this? Would this book even end up on the blog? And like, <laughs> sounds so stupid. And every now and then I was like, you know, I don't think I would like that paragraph very much if I was reading it. It sounded okay when I was writing it, but now I'm not so sure. So I think being a book reviewer um, <laughs> was bittersweet. I think it really helped me out a lot. Helped me um, keep the book, helped me stay focused, honestly. Um, helped me stay focused throughout the book and, and keep the book very consistent. But it also made me very nervous. There aren't a lot of bad reviews out there. You know, a lot of people don't post uh, negative reviews or reviews of books they, they really did not like. Sometimes they review books they absolutely hated because they're trying to give you the heads up. But nothing that they hate, right? Or nothing that they really dislike. And I started thinking, you know, oh, this is going to be the one. <laughs> this is going to be the one that changes people's minds and they're going to start posting horrible reviews all over the internet. I hope that doesn't happen. I think that was just my paranoia. But... There was definitely, um, there were definitely a few moments where I was like, okay, what would this actually get? Would this get a rating? Would this teach me anything? Is this something I could use? And by the end of the process, I had a book that I felt fit those parameters. So if you guys are book reviewers, you know, I'd love to know if it hit those parameters and, you know, which ones why you rate it what you do. I'm interested to find out. Probably not going to be able to actually read any book reviews because I'll cry. But, you know, if you put them out there, one day in my old age, I'll track them down and really learn something. <laughs> okay, so let's get to the kind of fun stuff. We are going to do a good old-fashioned sketchy herbs and magic rock segment here on the show. So I haven't done it in the strictest sense, in quite some time. I used to do, for those who don't know, I used to do this segment called Sketchy Herbs and Magic Rocks. I would pick um, a plant and a crystal that kind of have a similar energy or that work together for a similar purpose. And I would present them at the end of the show. And I hadn't done that in, in a little while for just a lot of reasons. You know, the show runs long. And I thought it would be fun to bring it back now that we've got this nice list full of rocks, and plants to choose from. So our sketchy herb today is actually a flower. It's in the flower section of the book. Flourishing with flowers. And it's the one I mentioned earlier, the houseplant, the Hoya. Um, 
Hoya carnosa is the, the botanical name of the most common kind that you find in homes. This is a pretty common houseplant. And it was difficult for me to find any info on its magical uses, but I have them here at home. And the flowers they produce have these incredible, have this incredible scent, this incredible nectar that is just, it fills the entire room. It's intoxicating. And I just kept thinking, you know, there's no way this isn't magical. So I did some experimentation and some further research and I came up with a set of correspondences and uses for the Hoya plant. So Hoya is associated with the element of air because it's got that very sweet and clarifying scent to it. Uh, astrologically, it is ruled by the moon because of its umbrellas of these white porcelain flowers. It opens up your crown, solar plexus, and root chakras and can be used for chakra alignment grounding, protection, moon magic, blessing, intuitions, destiny, healing, star magic, reconciliation, and setting boundaries. It's a pretty interesting combination, right? So here's what I say about the Hoya. This popular houseplant grows long tendrils covered in dark green waxy leaves and rounded clusters of tiny white star-shaped flowers. After dark, each flower hosts a single drop of nectar that fills the room with a clear and sweet scent. Hoya aligns all chakras and individually opens the crown chakra for magic, the solar plexus for boundary setting, and the root for grounding. The flowers are also known as the pentagram flower and are excellent for protection of the home and self. And the spell that I include to work with the Hoya is a home protection spell. I tried this around the house and it made the energy around the home so different, so, so different. And it really does, you use the nectar from the flower, so it really does spread that incredible scent around. The reason I wanted to include a houseplant is because, you know, they're very popular right now, but I also, I don't want us to think of plants, magical plants, as coming from any one particular place, or that there's something that has to be you know, rare or poisonous or really cool and sketchy, you know. It can be something that we work with in our everyday life that we see every day. Now, the magic rock we are going to talk about is actually two magic rocks. I combined these together and you'll see why in a minute. Now, I call this the ultimate green witch crystal combination because this is these kind of hit all of the nails on the head when it comes to green witchcraft. So moss agate is actually quartz with manganese and iron and tree agate is chalcedony with dendrite. So it's a, like a dendritic agate. They're associated with the earth element and with the sign of Virgo. And for your chakras, moss works with your heart and is very emotional and tree works with your earth star and is very connected to the planet. Moss agate is the stone of gardeners, new beginnings, growth, luck, drawing in business, animal magic, entrepreneurship, and prosperity. And then the tree agate is all about abundance, growth, healing the earth, connections, clearing blockages, and working with tree magic. So here's what I say about those. Though these stones are made up of slightly different minerals, their overall energy is so complementary that they act like six sister stones, 
Both focus on drawing in prosperity and abundance and connecting us to the energies of the earth. While moss agate gently connects us to the deep energy of the fresh earth, tree agate reminds us that the sky or canopy is the limit. These stones are the ultimate green witch crystal combination. Moss agate is incredibly lucky, so it's really good for attracting luck, for gradual growth of, you know, whatever kind of project you're currently working on, something that you need in your life. It's really great for helping you deal with real-life practical matters of prosperity. So when you're working with your taxes or you're trying to save money, you can leave your moss agate with your finances, with your taxes, with everything to help that process go a lot easier. Tree agate has a much deeper kind of vibe, so it can help heal pain of unhappy childhood or family issues. It really works with your heart in that way. It's associated with dryads and woodland tree spirits. You know, it's the ultimate forest type crystal. And it's also used for working with the planet itself. So this is something um, that you guys might wanna consider. If there is a part of the world that happens to be, oh, I don't know, like on fire right now, where, where a lot of trees are dying, if you want to do a meditation to send uh, positive energy and healing energy to that land, you can do so with a tree agate and with a, a photograph of the place or, you know, set it on your computer or your phone and really connect with that tree agate and, and allow it to, you know, carry that energy through to this other place, whatever it is, like Australia, or I don't know, <laughs> just, an, just a suggestion, um, and, and carry it to where it needs to go. I have a tree agate point that I use anytime I'm trying to do anything environmental, or I'm trying to really work with that spirit of the, the woods and the trees specifically. Now, the reason I wanted to talk about these ones today is because these are the crystals in the spell that I sent last minute <laughs> that ended up being exactly perfect for this book versus the one that I was trying to get into. So the spell is called Crystal Plant Medicine. Are you thinking of growing your own magical plants to use in your practice? This quick spell features moss and tree agate to help initiate them into magic and strengthen your connection. This spell can be done either before or after you've planted or at any growing stage. So what it is is a spell to actually work with your potted plant, to let the plant know that you intend to rope it into your magical practice, much like when you would be convincing a familiar to come into the circle with you and to explain your magical intention to you know, your little animal friend, you're doing kind of the same thing with your plant while adding these crystals to help magically heal the plant, make sure it, you know, produces a high yield of fruit or flowers or what have you, and helps you stay connected with the energy of the plant. So all you need is a potted plant or some seeds, and you need a piece of tumbled tree agate and a piece of tumbled moss agate. If you only have one of those, that's also fine. So place one hand in the soil you're using while holding the agate pieces to your heart. Imagine or feel a green light growing around the crystal and your heart connecting them. Move in close to your plant or your seeds so that your breath is going to be right on the, on the leaves as you speak. And say this invocation. As I grow, so will you. 
As I flourish, so will you. As I open to the magic of the earth, so will you. And as I love, I'll love you too. Then you bury the crystals in the soil and imagine your plant is growing, holding on to them by the roots and growing strong and healthy and imbued with magical energy. So that is a very simple spell that you can use when you are getting started working with your magical plants. These are not the only crystals that you can use this way. Uh, for example, my aloe plant, I have an aquamarine in the, um, in the dirt because aloe is a very, you know, it's a watery plant on the inside, um, but you don't want it to get to drown. So I have the aquamarine in there to try to provide kind of a balanced watery vibe. I also have green kyanite and some clear quartz planted in some of my other houseplants. The ones that survive. <laughs> the ones that survived the great spider mite infestation all had crystals in the dirt, so go figure. So you can find out more about those sketchy herbs and magic rocks in my book, Green Witchcraft, A Practical Guide to Discovering the Magic of Plants, Herbs, Crystals, and Beyond. I hope that this episode was not too annoying. <laughs> just me talking about myself and my book for a little while. Um, I just wanted to introduce the book and um, I couldn't talk about it for a while and I've, I've really been kind of bursting with it. You know, I couldn't get too excited about it before because I couldn't tell a lot of people and I didn't have the book in my hands and now I do. And it's all very, very real, <laughs> very real. It has been an incredible experience and I'm so touched by all the really, really positive, positive responses I've gotten to the announcement. So thank you so much, whether you end up buying or reading the book or not. I want to thank you for, you know, for your nice messages, for being here, for listening, for feeling inspiration from my work. That really is, you know, that's the ticket. That's, <laughs> that's what really gets me out of bed in the morning. So thank you all for joining me for this episode of the Fat Feminist Witch Podcast. I hope you all have a fantastic, fantastic and beautiful weekend and that you join me in all my future episodes because from, from now until the end of February, I will be sharing a sketchy herb and a magic rock from my book <laughs> at the end of every episode. And in some of those, I will also try to share the spell or a ritual or meditation that goes along with it. If you want to find out more about me, or the book, or the show, you can do that at thefatfeministwitch.com. If you want to find out about the book specifically, go to the tab that says buy my book. And there I've got information and links where you can find it on amazon.com.ca and on Goodreads if you want to leave a review or follow me on Goodreads for any sort of updates about my writing, my book, my future books, maybe. <laughs> Anything fun like that. You can find me all across social media where, again, I'll be sharing stuff from the book for the next two months. And you can follow all the other things that I'm doing here at the Fat Feminist Witch. I will continue to be putting out other content that's not necessarily tied to the book specifically. This was just a fun introduction. So I hope you guys check that out. If you want to support the podcast, you can do that by going to the website and clicking buy me a coffee. Or you can become a supporter on Patreon. For 10 bucks a month, you can join the Witch and Bitch, which is my private monthly membership group that we operate through Facebook groups. Super fun. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody. I hope you feel earthy and green and grounded after this episode.